You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Seeking Excellence Podcast. This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield. Very excited today to have uh, a new friend of mine, uh, a priest that I've heard a lot about from other friends of mine, uh, Father Nathan Cromley. Father Nathan, how are you doing? From one NC to another, doing good. That's right. What's your middle name? Do we have the same middle initial? It's an A. Oh, okay. I'm an L. Mine's Lee. Yeah. And we even have the CR. Yeah, we'd have been like right next to each other in class, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's so funny. That's awesome. Well, Father, it's great to have you with me today. We've done, I think, about a dozen episodes with priests, but I think there's only been uh, three different priests on. So I had a lot of like repeat uh, priest friends of mine. Um, so, yeah, so I've been looking to, to get more or actually, no, four today. Today's episode was the fourth priest to ever be on, um, Father Demon in uh He's in uh, Sioux City, and uh, he, yeah, he's awesome. But yeah, excited to learn more about uh, the St. John Institute and the work that you're doing. And I think, you know, it's pretty, it's not super rare, but it, I think it's fairly rare that um, there's a priest whose expertise or kind of main topic is leadership. You know, I think that it's something that uh, is, I think the formation of leaders is really lacking, and we can get into some of that when it comes to um, priesthood and the formation of priests. Um but I think it's awesome that that's kind of like your specialty. And I would love to know how that kind of became your thing. But first, would love to just kind of hear a little quick overview of your life, who you are, and, and what you do. So I thank you very much. I'm glad to be with you on, the, on this podcast. I am the president of the St. John Institute. And so we were founded in 2015. Um, and our mission is to raise up saints to lead. Right? So it's the idea of combining holiness and leadership together. And so my days are full of, uh, you know, trying to grow an organization uh, and as we attain our mission. And uh, it's a very exciting, and wonderful way to live. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I'm interested to hear your thoughts because obviously we don't have to name organizations, but there's been some, you know, Catholic organizations getting heat, I think, from the leadership level recently. Um, and it's been really interesting to me because now that I've worked for several Catholic uh, organizations as well, it's been interesting kind of seeing this balance of um, having to lead a ministry, right? And when you're leading a ministry, like <laughs> you want to be a saint too, right? You don't want to be an organization that creates saints and you lose yourself along the way, you or your leadership team. And so I'm kind of curious your thoughts on 
um, maybe, you know, some things that you do to keep the mission at the center while also kind of balancing the business side. Um, and maybe some areas that you think or, or some ways that you think people kind of drift off from that and kind of get lost in the um, uh, pursuit of, you know, finance, not just financial gain for the sake of greed, but also you have, you have the staff, right. And you have uh, employees and you have to look out for them and their financial future as well. Well, you know, whenever you have two opposing thoughts like money and spirituality or staff and mission, uh, you have to look for what unites them and what unites them won't be in either one. It'll be a third thing. And so what, when we, as Christians, we have to constantly make decisions, uh, uh, work-life balance, uh, family versus work, um, prayer versus family, right? So you kind of, a lot of young Catholics especially struggle with a type of balancing act. How do I find a work-life balance? It used to be a catchphrase people like to, to recite, you know, and then other people say, well, you shouldn't look for balance. You should look for beauty. But that was kind of a nice, another little catchphrase that caught on. Don't live a balanced life, live a beautiful life. You know, that's, it's all good. Uh, but in the end, the, the, I think that the way that you need to, to frame it is to look deeper, to look at what undergirds both the mission and the, 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 the ministry, so to speak, of what you need to do, the business end and the spirit of, of what you do. And both of those is very simply our relationship with God the Father. I mean, if I am a living sacrifice to God, then my work flows out of that. And my spirituality flows out of that. But what brings them back together is our relationship with God. And so I think that's where, if people don't have a living relationship with God, I think they're going to constantly, they'll make themselves the center. I am going to balance based upon what I think I need for how well I know myself. Well, that's a fine thing. You know, you find your strengths, find your personality, and you try to allow that to quote unquote thrive. It's just not as deep of a solution nor long-term and uh, or effective as you saying, my life is an oblation poured out in front of God. And if I can keep that in mind, then I don't have to worry about the demands of the workplace. And I certainly will overflow into mission. Yeah, that's awesome. I can imagine, and you can probably speak to this, that it gets uh, only gets harder to do that as the organization kind of grows and expands. Is that right? Yeah. <laughs> Like Eminem says, it only gets harder. It only gets harder. And the beat goes on. But da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, 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 I can't imagine that it actually gets any easier. So how do you, I guess, how do you discern it for yourself or, or suggest other people discern, like, when is it time to start to delegate more or to kind of offload or find more help um, when you're struggling to balance it all? <laughs> you know, it's a hard question because... Um, you know, we're here on the excellence podcast, right? I mean, excellence is about sharpening a sword and there's nothing comfortable about having your sword sharpened. Right. I mean, you lose a metal, you're, you're being grinded against. And I think if people look for ease, they, if you look for ease, you'll be a slave. That's basically mm -hmm. what it comes down to. You'll get your ease. People will buy it, will sell you ease and you can have a comfortable, easy life. Just stop trying. And when you do that, you'll notice that you'll play the blame game and you'll, you'll uh, find excuses and you'll have your comfort. You'll have your ease. So if you want that, you go right ahead. Uh, leadership is about those who want to do. And doing things always is a challenge because you're moving from point A, whatever it is, status where you're at, to point B. 
And that means that you got to leave point A behind and go to point B. There's this inter- the intermediary phase between that's called work. <laughs> and it stinks. Uh, so I, I would recommend, I mean, uh, that you, you, if you're, look, it, it depends, right? Because people's jobs are where a lot of folks don't really feel like they're leading. You just have a job to get paid. Well, good. Then you just do that, in which case, focus in on your family because that's where your focus needs to be. Well, just get used to it being so dang hard that you want to quit. And then you got to ask yourself, well, can I run from that? And eventually you either learn to follow Christ and give it all up and lay your life down for your bride, or you live in the misery of self-centeredness your whole life. And so I'd like to actually say, why not extend that from the family into work? Why not encourage everyone to have an alignment where everything that I'm doing is flowing from that inner heart as I am an an oblation to God. So I'm going to attack my workplace environment. I'm going to be challenged by it. I'm going to grow in it and become better. You know, and and, I mean, when to know, when to know how to delegate, you're going to obviously, because you have to succeed. You can't, you can't succeed if you don't delegate, but I'm looking at something more foundational, Nathan. I, I, I want to grab that heart that says it's supposed to be hard. And it's all right that it's hard. I'm made to do hard things because every human being is. If, if you just want ease, I mean, you're going to fail. And I, I think that that's a travesty. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's awesome. I'd love to hear that. And I think that's so good, you know, and everything that we talk about as well, of, of everything kind of flowing from that place, desiring to, you know, glorify God in all that you do. I think that's really beautiful. And, uh, you know, something else I'm curious about uh, your life is just like, how long have you been a priest and what was the the um, experience or journey like discerning to start the St. John Institute versus, um, you know, and just your discernment from the very beginning to be a diocesan priest or join an order and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Thanks for that question. I'm honored. I, I, I met the Lord. When you meet the Lord, uh, everything changes. So you haven't met the Lord then kneel down and ask him to come and, and, and reveal himself to you because I met the Lord. Now my meeting of the Lord was different than most. And, and, but I had an encounter with Jesus Christ and it so changed my life that I, I was only 14, you know, and I wow. just said, I want to give everything to him and I want to spend my life loving him back. And it's my joy to say that it's not a boast about me. I'm a terrible sinner, but I'll tell you, I'm trying. And, and uh, I hope to be able to try until I die. Because I, it's my great glory. The thing that's the deepest inside of me is to, to know his love and to want to love him back. So for me, becoming a, a priest was just, you know, there's the logical thing. I, it was on my heart. I wanted to do it. And uh, as a priest, uh, I met young people who were thinking of leaving the Catholic Church. And if everyone's not Catholic, I mean, I'm fine with that. It's, you know, everyone's got to follow God their way. I don't think we, we should be fighting each other, but I am a Catholic. And so for me, fighting for that Catholic church was a really important thing. And I asked them, why are you going to leave? And they said, why are you, why should we stay? And uh, I remember that really well. Cause I said, well, if they don't know why they should stay, then we're really not doing a good job here. You know, right. <laughs> like after all their, their years in 19, 17, 16 years old, and they can't tell me why they should stay Catholic. They didn't even know. So I said, what if I give you a reason? Would you would you stay? And then they said, yeah. So I started a ministry for them. And then that ministry is just taking on its own. 
I just refuse to say no. I want to do my best, everything that I can to help young people to meet God. And then that's expanded. So now I work with businesses, I work with families, and I work with young adults uh, and teens. And it's a, it's just a great joy. That's great. What, what would be your, uh, I'm just curious, what would be your like quick answer? And you can take as long as you want, but what would be your quick answer to that question? Now, I'm not planning on leaving the Catholic Church, but I get the question a lot of why should somebody be Catholic versus Protestant? I've done two hour long parts on that. There were solo episodes uh, about my conversion to Catholicism and why I stayed. But what is your what is your answer on that now? You stay for you. It's a really deep philosophical answer, but it's a challenging one if you start thinking about it. Meaning if you know, if you know that Jesus Christ died for you and you choose not to act as if you're supposed to live for him, you lose. He does just fine. <laughs> the person who loses is you. Right. And so I would say, you know, why should I stay in the Catholic Church? I'm like, what, what's giving you a better option? Let's take a look at your other options. What are you going to do? You know, you're going to say I, I'm just a, a bag of slime that evolved from a cosmic mistake. I'm a burp of the cosmos. I mean, you can say that. That's what they're saying. You can say I don't have any life other than better than copulating with as many people as I possibly can and getting drunk and maybe doing cocaine. Go for it. What's the best thing you can do? Drinking a hallucinogen and have some sort of mystical experience, you know, about, you know, your life. I'm like, guys, like that, if that's cool, I mean, like, if that's what you want to do, cool. But I'm just saying, like, that's got nothing compared to living the life of the Trinity, right? Yeah. So if we're just going to compare value propositions, before you leave, you ought to take a look at what we're offering you and see if you have anyone who comes even close because what we're offering you is a chance for you to live for someone else, someone who's greater than you, someone who's infinitely awesome. It's calling you to be in communion with him in a service of love. What, where are you going to find happiness? You can have all the rest. If you don't have that, I think you're missing out. So go ahead, you know, fill your life with marijuana plants and, and, uh, you know, your Chia pets and, and say that you're cool. I think you'll be unsatisfied deep down inside until you've found some place that will give you what I just said, to be in an infinite service of an infinite God in a relationship of love. And I'm like, well, that's what Christianity offers. And right. that's what Catholicism offers. I love it. That's great. You know, when you talked about the, the kids or the young adults who asked you that question originally, you talked about their being Catholic adults and whether they went to Catholic school or they went to CCD or whatever it might have been, right? Like they, or they just had Catholic parents, like somebody at some point had the responsibility of educating them and forming them in the faith. And so I'd love to talk a little bit about like the church's strategy, if you will, or kind of um, weak spots when it comes to formation. Because one thing that when you were you were saying that, that kind of struck me was, I think when, because I talked earlier about uh, how often we lack leadership training, or I think adequate leadership training for priests in the seminary. Um, and then I think a lot of times in Catholic schooling, especially Catholic education, I work with a lot of Catholic schools now for Hallow, um, you see this lack of actual like theology and like Catholic spiritual formation, right? And so it's really interesting to me how when you look at those two uh, sets of formation, right? Catholic schools and then uh, Catholic seminaries, the seminaries, idea or at least are supposed to be focusing on theology and kind of and liturgy and all that the spiritual side right forming the spiritual side of the man 
and often lack, I don't want to say the real world aspect, but kind of the business aspect sometimes, right? The dealing with people sometimes misses some of that leadership stuff. And then on the other side, you have Catholic education that a lot of them, you think of Georgetown, Notre Dame, and then it filters down to the high schools as well, where they are uh, very good at getting you, you set up for success in the world, right? They, they have good educations um, and they're kind of really good at that kind of world practical side but miss a lot of that spiritual formation. You know, why do you think um, we've kind of drifted into that? I guess on both sides, you can pick whichever one you want to first, but I'm just kind of curious your thoughts. Maybe start with the school. I'd be curious to hear your thoughts, Nathan. On what started it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. I've been uh, really, so something we've been talking about recently on the podcast a lot is kind of the, um, uh, I've been talking a lot about Vatican II, um, and, and not, I don't want to freak you out cause not in a super negative way, but I've been on this journey really since I've had this kind of conversion kind of politically over the last three to four years of my life where I've grown a lot more conservative in my values. And that for a while kind of pushed me more trad for a little bit and really looking at Vatican II. And then I kind of like found myself back in the middle when it comes to like kind of where we are in the church, not, uh, pol- politics in the U S I'm still definitely on the right, but um, kind of in the church and just a different take on Vatican II. And I was just reading a book recently. I did a podcast on this and talked about the like uh, Catholic theologians and some priests and some bishops, but often theologians in universities and high schools who uh, really pushed back against Humanae Vitae and the teaching on contraception and kind of how that um, was kind of the starting point. This, this author was arguing that was kind of the starting point, like post-Vatican II, of people misinterpreting what they called the spirit of Vatican II and kind of this church embracing the world and the world's way of life and philosophy and relativism. Um, and then kind of the universities kind of becoming like a safe haven for those liberal um, theologians who, frankly, just you know blatantly and openly disagreed with papal teaching, right, um, and church doctrine. And so to me, that's kind of one of the things that kind of started. And I think it started, like I said, at the university level and is trickling its way down because you can still see, and I think this is true. I don't have like stats on it, but I talked to a lot of them. Um, Catholic grade schools seem to have a lot stronger Catholic identity than high schools and high schools have strong Catholic identity than colleges, you know? And then like you talk about grad school programs is even worse, right? So it just kind of gets worse the higher you go and they're more independent from the church and they kind of are like in this Catholic in name only um, category. So to me, that's kind of the, the starting point, I think, for Catholic education. You know, I, would... think you're, I think you're right. And, but I'm wondering if it's not an, a problem that's endemic to any, any human social endeavor that, you know, it's like it, it, the further you get away from the original flame, the original impetus, the harder it is to keep the, the fire. Yeah. Right. So what's the original impetus for a Christian? It's the meeting point with Jesus Christ. And we're trying to hand that meeting point on to people, but it it can't be done by institutions. Institutions can provide programs. Programs can provide opportunities, but the, the contact point between Christ and a soul is either directly by an infusion of grace or through the intermediary of the teacher, an inspiring figure, the somebody who's living it themselves. Mm-hmm. And so I, I would say that we need institutions and we need programs. These are excellent things and apps <laughs> since, you know, you have been at work for a while, you know, I do. And, 
and all of those in podcasts and all those things, but you can't replace the love that's in a human being's heart for Christ. Mm-hmm. And I would suggest that in our discipleship, when we use a program to bring people into a, a communication point with us, what we need to communicate with them is a relationship, a love affair between us and Christ. And that's done by the way that we also care and love for them. So I, I think what's gone wrong in the, the thing is it's, it's natural. I, I don't, I'm not one to necessarily say that everything comes down to some sort of new scenario. I think it's part of the human phenomenon and the structure of things that we need. It constantly needs to be renewed by individuals of great commitment who go through the programming and through the institutions with a spirit that's new because it comes from God and, and they then renew that same cycle. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's great to, to brainstorm or I, let me put it this way. I think sometimes it's easier and more interesting um, and more comfortable to try to like identify the source of a problem that you can't go back and change versus co- trying to brainstorm currently. Like what can we do to solve the issue going forward. I think, I think there's value still in seeing when seeing started because you don't want history to repeat itself. Um, but I think it's easy within the church to get really negative on the past and try to pinpoint, you know, your scapegoat. I agree with you. And I just feel like too, Nathan, there's like, it's almost where we're spending, I would say 90% of our social energy is on saying what's wrong and list, right. listening to the word ism after it. And then speaking about how it was condemned and then not followed by Vatican II. That's kind of the standard right. routine. And then you spoke up, a, you let up a cigar or something and yeah. twiddle with your bow tie. And, and I'm fine with that. Like there's value in that. I just feel like it's been done. And I'm a little bit of a St. Paul kind of character. When something's been done, well, go, go and read all that. Read all the critique that you want. It's very important. I don't, I don't denigrate it at all. I just know where I'm spending my time. And I'm spending right. my time going after that lost sheet, man. And, and having read the critique and well aware of modernism and individualism and materialism and relativism and skepticism and nihilism and all of those isms, I'm well aware of them all. Great. Let's go, guys. Because in the meantime, uh, the, the secular society is evangelizing directly in the oh, hearts yeah. of our people. And we're only thing we can do is say, look at how bad they are because they're winning. I'd like to say, get off the stands and get onto the field and try to win some hearts for God. You know, that would be a lot more productive than any kind of critique that we can make. So, again, I'm not critiquing critiques. I'm just saying the critique is a starting spot. And but you got to move on. Personally, I don't know. I just have lost my taste for him, Nathan. I just I'm like, one more diagnosis. John Paul II gave every diagnosis out there. It was the most amazing, beautiful thing. Every papal encyclical begins the same way. Our modern situation, then a diagnosis of the problem, then a presentation of the solution. Pope Benedict, you won't get a better mind. He goes right to the heart of absolutely everything, diagnosis at all. So just spend your time reading those guys and, mm-hmm. and then do what they say to do. I thought Pope Benedict's papacy was one of the most astounding because when you read his interventions and his speeches, when he would go on his trips, the level and depth of evangelization, I think, is unparalleled. Uh, I, I don't know all of church history. I'm not a great scholar on these things. But I, I know enough to say when he spoke in his trip, for example, to Germany, to his native homeland, and he spoke to them about faith, he approached it knowing their hearts. 
and saying exactly the words that they that they needed to decode and open themselves up to God. It was beautiful. And I think that we should spend time doing that too. What what do our what are our Gen Z, what are they looking for right now? Where do they find value? And how can we show them that Jesus meets that value? We need to put some energy there. Um, and I and I kind of I guess I'm lamenting a little bit. I, I I'm not seeing a lot of that zeal. So that's fine. I'll I'll bring mine to the game. You bring yours and we're halfway there. <laughs> that's great. I love it. So um yeah, I think that's a great question, or that, that brings up a great question to me. Uh, of something we kind of, I feel like I talk about with every few guests, it seems like it comes up, is like the concept of the, the Benedict option, right? So obviously people talk about kind of shifting from an age of Christendom to an apostolic age. And what you're talking about there with like um, reaching Gen Zers or reaching people where they're at in general, I think a lot of on-fire Catholics are kind of either intimidated by that, turned off by it, um, uncomfortable with it. Like, what is your recommendation of how do we balance the need to have good friends and surround ourselves with good people in order to have those people around us who will encourage us to get to heaven, who will hold us accountable when we're doing wrong and the need to like enter yourself into the world. Yeah. And then maybe practically, like, how do you recommend, uh, you know, the average Catholic to do that? I think every one of us needs to answer the simple question. What is God calling me to do? Mm. And for many, the Benedict option seems like a great thing. Uh, I mean, if I was a dad of a family, I think I'd be in an enclave somewhere in North Dakota right now. <laughs> and, you know, going to the traditional Latin mass. Is that a recommendation? It, it is. <laughs> North Dakota is one of the coolest states in the whole union. It's like this forgotten treasure. People don't. You got to get up there. It's the most beautiful land and people are incredible. So, but my, my point is that like, hey, like, what is Christ calling you to do? And I, I see an interesting, and again, I think it's, it's always probably part of human nature, but a young, the young adult community today, especially is looking for someone to kind of answer the question that only they can answer, mm. which is Jesus's call on their soul. Right. And I think people shouldn't be afraid. Uh, the call is either you know, go off. The call is to engage. Um, and uh, so the guidance I'd give practically is look Christ in the eye and then get over your fear because, you know, running away and trying to hide. We live in an age, Nathan, where everyone's uh, not everyone, but there's a great tendency of folks to live in what I call artificial wombs, W-O-M-B-S, wombs, uh, places where we're safe and yeah. where someone else can be responsible. And so we run to these various camps of this holy person, of this you know, uh, a star of this, you know, band of this book of this tendency of this blogger. Oh my gosh, guys, it's fine if you're like a juvenile, but when you're an adult, there comes a point where you got to look the man with whose eyes are flames of fire in the eye. And he says, get out of the boat. And every one of us is going to say, you know what? It's scary. I could drown. I don't know how to swim, you know? And, and what are you going to do? You're going to stay in the boat, stay in the artificial womb where other people can live for you. Uh, in other words, if Christ is calling you to engage and you're a dad and you're living in a secular world and you haven't moved to an enclave in North Dakota, then you should be busy helping those other dads to find Christ. Uh, you know, and I get it. We can be intimidated by it, but like, how long are you going to be intimidated? You know, in the end, Peter was intimidated by the waves. He got out of the boat. 
you know what I mean? Like, I, I guess I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm demonstrating some impatience here, but hopefully it's a, it's a little bit of a jar for the listeners because I, I think that we can discern ourselves to death because we're yeah. really not discerning. We're really just playing a spectator, <laughs> right. uh, being yeah. a spectator when, when the, the action is going on with you. Absolutely. It's so amazing. You know, it's something I get very frustrated with it as well. And sometimes it's kind of funny, but um, oftentimes it's more frustrating than funny. But the one thing that it makes me think of too, is I think that some people do some discernment or they feel called to get involved in some type of ministry or like, I, I often laugh because a lot of Catholics, young Catholics will be like asking me questions about how did you start your podcast? How do you do this and that? You know, and I'm like, man, if, if you had, I, I also, when I started CG Excellence too, I didn't tell you about this at the beginning, but one of my ideas was I was like, you know, there's a lot of people who want to blog. I've seen so many Catholics who have started blogs. They do it for two months and they stop, right? I've seen Catholics who have started podcasts and they get to episode seven and then they stop. And I'm like, dude, this stuff is hard, right? Like it's difficult to come up. And I see these people who are struggling to come up with one episode a week. We've been doing two episodes a week for the majority of the last 18 months, right? And it's tough. But I, I tried to bring it together to be like, well, if we, if you like guest hosted some of the podcasts for mine, you know, if we created one together where like you could lighten your load, lighten your burden, maybe you'd be okay. Um, but I'm just, I think it's so interesting kind of going back to what you said at the very beginning about we're made to do hard things. And it's just something that I'm so grateful for my time in the army where I feel like I really got to grow some of that mental toughness. Um, but yeah, there's just so many people out there. I feel like who you, you want to start something, right? Everything's fun at the beginning. <laughs> one of my favorite quotes is Ronnie Coleman. I don't know if you know who he is. He's like one of the um, best bodybuilders of all time, Mr. Olympia, like seven times. And he says, uh, everybody want to be a bodybuilder, but don't nobody will lift no heavy ass weight. though." <laughs> it's one of my favorite, it's one of my absolute favorite quotes. And I just think that's so real. But what do you what do you say to somebody? Obviously, you coach a lot of people when they hit that roadblock, when you get to that point of feeling like quitting, what is kind of I'm sure you felt like it. I felt like it, you know, earlier today going through some stuff is <laughs> like, what do you um, what do you do when you find yourself in kind of those really, really low times? And what do you coach other people to do? I think we've got to analyze why it's so low for us. Uh, I have a quote. You, you can write this one down for hollow. Just, you know, attribute it to a wise man. You have to give my names, bro. Oh, noted, noted, good. Having problems is not a problem. Having problems with having problems, that's the problem. Mm. In other words, like, yeah, it, you know, the, the fatigue, tough. Uh, feeling, feeling like you've hit walls, tough. Feeling like you're low, it's tough. The, the real issue isn't, isn't that. Like, life is going to be full of that. I look at the life of Christ. Jesus Christ had bad days. Now, he never had bad moods. Never had bad moods. He was immaculate. But he had bad days. I mean, when the guy goes and tells, he says, don't tell anybody I did this. And then the, the dude goes off and tells everyone. Immediately. <laughs> and then Jesus is like, well, shoot, you know? Yeah. I guess I'm supposed to like, and so I could not, no longer go into towns openly because Jimbo decided to, you know, go and tell everybody when I told them not to. That wasn't right. a good day, you know? I mean, it was a good day, divinely speaking. Yeah. Well, my point is that he had challenges. He had, he had his own people in his own town tried to drive him off the, the, the cliff at, on which the, the brow of the hill on which the town was built. And I went to Nazareth to look for this because I've always seen him like, how do you mean drive? Because, like, I, I mean, I, I kind of climb mountains, right? Like, you don't just die by, like, you know, getting thrown off the side of a hill. 
like there have to be like a drop 20 feet you know what i mean like right and i looked and there is none and the tour guy now i could be wrong because all i did is i believe the tour guy the tour guide said there is no place like this what they're saying is they were going to take him up to the hill the, the high as they could go and then pile drive him upside down to break his neck mm. and and you realize I mean, what that must have been for Christ. That's like his old soccer coach. You know, there's like right. Mr. Mr. Bob who like, you know, sold his pin pickles at the store. And these guys are literally saying, we're going to grab you, flip you upside down and smack your head against the ground. till you, your neck is broken. He could never go back to these people. And right. these were, this was his hometown. And there's Mary, like in the midst of these people who are saying, kill, kill your son. Like, like the, the tragedy, right? So having problems, not a problem. Having problems, not having problem. That's the problem. And so when I go back and I say, well, why then is the fact that I'm down or the fact that I'm tired uh, such a, a, a travesty or devastating blow to me? There I'm going to find an inner working inside of myself. Something else is yeah. happening. And that's where Christ wants to come. He's going to be saying the real thing going on inside of you is you, you, know, you think you have to be perfect. And so since you're not perfect and then things go wrong, you want to quit. Or the real thing inside of yourself is that you need to be esteemed, you know, and people don't esteem you. And so you just don't have any energy because nobody even cares. Right. And Christ is like, you know what? Why don't you do it for me? And why don't you do it for me? Why don't you do it for me? And, and you realize that that's actually a blessing. And I say this to all the dads, all the moms out there. I meet the holiest people I've ever met. People say, who are the holy people? I say, moms and dads. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I can't even get over what you guys do. We monks, we nuns, it's a piece of cake compared to what you guys have to put up with. And I just tribute to you because, but like what happens when you become a dad? Everything that's wrong with you suddenly becomes visible. Yeah. <laughs> and you're right. married to the person who gets to tell you that it's visible. Yeah. <laughs> Plain sight, right? So then what are you going to do with that? Opportunity. The opportunity is that's where I invite Christ in to take me to the next level where I have to carry my imperfections and my past and my, my junk with me and ask him to teach me to carry it with him. And, yeah. and your Christianity begins. So my, yeah. my, my talk to you there is, I mean, like I'm giving these long answers. I hate that. I'm sorry. If you want more, something more conversation. No, I love it. No, I love it. That's great. I think, you know, and you just made me think of a thought too. One of the things that I think is often important. And as I was kind of picking myself up today, um, and I'll explain that situation a little bit too, is uh, just the idea of counting the costs, right? Like um, I, I believe it's in the gospels, right? I believe it's Jesus, not St. Paul that talks about um, what builder would before building a building would not calculate how much it costs, right? That's Jesus in the gospels, right? Jesus. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think a lot of times we forget about what you're trying to do. And what this makes me think of is when I was, I remember my first day of ranger school, I had food poisoning, like day zero, you know, you're getting checked in and everything. They can't like do anything to you that day until the next morning. Um, You do your PT test and then it's basically like hell from there. And that day before I threw up, I think it was five times. And I, I had to eat, we had to eat dinner super fast. Right. And I had already thrown up four times. So I get out and throw up dinner right away. And they were looking at me, the ranger instructors, like the RIs, like who are built to like not have compassion, right? 
one of them was like, dude, are you sure you want to do this? Like, you really don't look well, you know? But there's something about when you're doing something like that, right? Or when you're going on a mission or when you're in Afghanistan where it's like, no shit, it's hard, right? Like, you know that it's going to be difficult because you're trying to like win a war or get your ranger tap, right? These are big things. And I think we lose that sometimes and you forget that even just the amount of prayer and things that go into trying to save someone's soul, right? Like try to be a part of their salvation. Like that's a huge deal, right? And it's so easy to get down and get rejected and get or dejected um, when you get rejected and get discouraged. But, you know, I'm thinking about today, I told you about we were looking at houses, right? None of them worked out, really like screwed up my whole day because I was like had a plan for my day. And then my realtor called me and had all these ideas. And so it just kind of screwed up my whole day that none of them worked. And I got really excited about a few of them. But when you realize like what we're trying to do is find a great deal where we can house hack it and build a lot of equity, right? And maybe turn it into a rental property. And it's like, yeah, well, like you're trying to make like a, a couple hundred thousand dollars on this deal. Like that's not easy, right? Like it's not a simple thing. But I found myself getting so discouraged when it's like, dude, you know, and I have to remind my wife about this a lot, even though I kind of take the lead on it, but I'm like, dog, you're trying to make you know, 300 grand. Like that's not easy. If it was easy, people would just be doing it all the time. Right. So you have to scroll through a million houses and have all this stuff lined up and figure it out. But it's like, if you realize even, you know, starting SJI or starting a podcast, if like your goal and your mission is to, even if it's just 10 people to transform their lives, like you realize how big of a deal that is, what the eternal rewards to you and them are going to be for that, then it kind of puts everything back in perspective where it's like, yeah, you know, kind of, you know, the, the classic analogy of the guy who's building the cathedral versus the guy who just thinks he's laying bricks, right? Like when you realize the grandness of what you're doing, it makes it a lot easier to, to put in that work. I was thinking of Thomas Edison when you were talking because everyone knows, hopefully, that he invented the light bulb. And, but you might not know is that when he invented the light bulb, he hadn't yet invented the means to generate the electricity to get the light bulb to work. Mm. So he had like these little little things, you know, but like generators were something he invented. That's why you have GE Electric, by the way, and why your Edison plants are known as, because he had, he had the light bulb. And so he knew it could change the world, but he didn't have the wires to go underground. He had to invent not only underground cabling, but he had to invent the protective coating that would go on the underground. Right, cable. Yeah. And he had to do it now because he had all of that, the money and the opportunity that was dwindling away and everyone was saying he would fail. So he had to gener- create a generator, create a power plant, create the wiring, all to make the light bulb work. And I use that as an example because we, you know, we want to bring a soul to heaven. You know, we want to, you know, and it's just like, yeah, that, that's kind of like what we see. We see people get awarded for great things in their life. And we don't, we don't realize or we don't want to realize, I think, all that it took to get to that spot. Mm-hmm. And we can say it, pay it lip service. But the fact is, we have an opportunity that we should all grasp with, with two hands. And that is to roll up our sleeves and get the hard work done. Because in the end, having a great idea there are so many wonderful songs that have never been sung recipes that have never been cooked there are so many solutions to tech problems that exist and yet because you lack a business underpinning and the grit to create it in a sustainable fashion it never gets seen never gets done and and i i think that i i look at that as the reality that we are never told but that christ 
expects from us to grasp. And, and it's the reality of the candle. If you look at what a dad is, a mom is, you guys are candles. And the, the light and the heat that comes, it comes at the expense of all the wax. A candle literally gives, in order to give the light and the heat, it consumes itself. Like your life is the gift. And, and that means that your sweat and your toil is the love. And we make a mistake when we look so much at the end product that we forget that the process to make the product actually is the product. Right. And, and that's the, in the eyes of God. That's why it says that whole thing about great love. And it doesn't matter if you do great things, you do little things with great love. That's Mother Teresa. It's absolutely true. But yeah. when we put it in that way, guys, like it means that the, the grit and the toil and the labor and the sweat and the failures and the rejection, that's all infinitely valuable. I mean, it's not really infinitely valuable, but when it's united to Christ, it's infinitely valuable. And I think how many awesome saints never made it on the rolls? Yeah. You know, and how many wonderful parents never get got applauded for anything that they did? You know, it's like, why do we do it? It goes back. Oblation to God. I am here as a creature to God to do all the good that I can to as many people as I can for as long as I can, for I may not pass this way again. Right. Absolutely. And dude, how, how much easier is it during those times when life is so difficult to have, um, you know, to be studying the lives of other people who have gone through it before you. Right. And you can think about that from the saints, right? Like I, I think about that every time I read about the lives of the saints or any saint or just do the daily saint on hallow sometimes, like listening to the hardship that they endured for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. But then also like I have, you know, I, I right before this, I was walking my dog and I was listening to a real estate podcast and I was like, man, I was listening to another person's journey. And I was like, that's right. It is like it's supposed to be hard. That's part of it. But then the other thing, too, is like how much easier is it when you have good friends who are also on the journey? Right. And it's like, I, I think back again to like Ranger School when I was blessed to go with a couple of my friends and we got in the same company. And when you have that, right, or you're in the same platoon with with somebody who you're already friends with, like there is like the idea of quitting, which is already pretty off, pretty much off the table, is super off the table when you have friends next to you because you're like, well, I can't quit on you and you can't quit on me, you know, because <laughs> you're just kind of looking like, well, who's going to leave? And it's like, well, none of us, right? Like none of us can. Um, and it just strengthens that resolve so much more. And why it's so important to have people who are with you in that endeavor, whether that just for holiness, for parenting, for the priesthood, um, you know, and, and for ministry. Some, sometimes our, our our people will then complain and say, well, I don't have anybody. I have no friends and that stuff. I would just say, you know, you might not have people like that in the ideal, but if you look around you, you will have people who care about you. Yeah. And and you leaning on the ones you got is is already a great step forward. Number two, in today's world, you could listen to podcasts and videos and, and realize that that's also a type of community. And right. hearing, hearing Jesus speak to you through all these different sources. Um, I, 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 uh, I recently started listening to the opera and uh, I, I absolutely fall in love with opera. Really? I wish I knew what these people were saying. Because even though I speak some of the languages, it's not quite the same. They're being pronounced by someone who speaks a different language and with their accent. But I understand, even if I don't understand the plot lines, if he, if he, listening to opera has been a huge blessing because it's like you, you hear the joy of life and the beauty of the human soul 
Mm. And those things are like God breaking through the fog yeah. to say, you know, I'm, I'm with you. And so I said, like, you know, so for people who complain, I don't have a friend or whatever. And well, if you have an opera disc, put it on. It'll probably help. That's so funny. That's interesting. Yeah, I haven't, I admittedly have not listened to much opera in my life, as I think most people know about me, uh, but perhaps I'll give it a try. I do occasionally like my wife, she thinks it's really funny. She laughs at me, but I really like listening to classical music. Like I'll put it on, we do like a book club together every month. We read the same book and discuss it. And I'm all about either like classical or Gregorian chants, something like intellectual <laughs> during that time, you know? Which is really awesome. But I know we only have a few minutes left. I don't typically do like a very standard kind of like rapid fire questions. Um, but I'm curious as a few of your recommendations on things. So I guess um, I didn't prepare you for any of this. So maybe. What am I recommending it for? Tell but me that. That's a great question. So I think our, our target audience is definitely from like 18 to 34 young Catholics on the like widest range of spectrum. Some, some are Protestant, but also like lukewarm Catholics to very like highly engaged Catholics. Cool but kind of in that young adult range, um, what would be your favorite or one of your favorite, a couple of your favorite leadership books that you've ever read? I haven't read a single one. Interesting. <laughs> I've run a leadership institute. I haven't read them. Really? So, wow. Can't tell you. Interesting. Okay. Good answer. What about any, any genre? What is your favorite <laughs> podcast or some of your favorite podcasts? If you're looking for business stuff, nobody's better than Donald Miller. I'm mm -hmm. sorry, but I just, he has this book called Build Your Own Story Brand that every priest should read. I think every evangelizer should read. It is incredible. And it's all about how, how you speak to your audience so that your audience will pay attention. It's marketing 101, yeah. but it's genius how he does it. I mean, it's really a masterpiece. And that book I've read cover to cover and I've studied and I've taken, I mean, like that, it's amazing. So all of your young, you know, entrepreneur type people uh, out there, or even evangelizers, you're like, how do I get people to listen to my podcast? Yeah. Read Donald Miller, build your own story brand. It's, it's an incredible book. That's helpful. That's clutch. I appreciate that. That's great. And, but what about uh, any genre favorite podcast? Do you have any? I don't listen to them. <laughs> Sorry, man. I was, I do my own. I love my own dear great things. There you go. Dear great things for Christ. Father Jesus podcast. You know, um, I, I used to listen to a radio show that inspired me back in this, this thing called radios. In now a you're car, sounding old. Yeah. A <laughs> dial. Yeah. And so uh, this this old invention. And there's a guy out there that I, is my favorite preacher. And his name is Chuck Swindoll. He's, a, he's an evangelical Baptist preacher. Really? And I just love him. I love his delivery. I love his insight. And he has an app called Insight for Living. And he does a radio show. I mean, it's like. It's old. I mean, when I was 18, I was listening to this thing in my parents' car. And he's still going. Old Chuck, you can download his app, but he's still out there and he's preaching away. That's awesome. Uh, a really cool guy, Chuck Swindoll. I, I think he's great. I also love Billy Graham. I think mm. he's just a master of, of the American language and a master of getting him the voice and message across. That's great. I love it. And then uh, this is a super random question. If I come to you as a young adult looking to grow in my faith, how often would you recommend uh, young adults go to confession? Well, as often as you're in mortal sin. Mm. And if that's humiliating, then that'll keep you from sinning. You know, that's it. Uh, on a regular basis, if you're a normal Catholic, every quarter, I think every three months is a good rule of thumb. I, you're required to go once a year. Uh, yeah. Every Catholic is. 
I, I think that if you don't go at least once a year, but like if you go once a year, you tend to get there. And then, because <laughs> I know, because I hear your confessions and then you're like, I'm not quite sure what I did. So once a quarter keeps it fresh. I think there was an apparition of Mary and Fatima where she recommended monthly confession. So I'm certainly not going to get in the way of the Virgin Mary. <laughs> All I would, I, I would, I would say though, that it ought to be natural. Like you ought to like get into a cadence that's yeah. natural for you. Because you don't want to say, I don't need to go, but you also, you also don't want to think that that's the be all and end all of your Catholicism is saying where you failed. Right. Um, I, I'd also, you know, I, I want to say to the young Catholics out there, get going and tell people about the love of God and stop debating doctrine as if that was your job, you know, like a little bit for fun. But like in the end, man, everybody's sitting there waiting for a reason for your hope. Right. And, and, and when was the last time you just gave that? Like, here's why I'm excited about God. It's, it's so healthy to be able to speak that way. Absolutely. That's great. Awesome, Father. Well, thank you so much. It was great getting to talk with you today. I'm so glad that we were able to finally connect. I hope we'll be able to meet in, in person soon and get to hang out soon. I think we'd have a great time together. Obviously not debating doctrine, but discussing ways that we can help <laughs> bring our energy to the church. Thanks, Nathan, and thanks to everybody who's listening. Absolutely, yeah. So I hope today's episode was a blessing to you. Obviously, check out Father Nathan's podcast, which we'll have linked in the uh, in the show notes and in the captions and everything. And um, I hope today's episode was helpful for you. If it was, please feel free to share it with a friend of yours, whoever might be holding you accountable or pushing you towards excellence in your own life. And know of our prayers for you. Always uh, fight hard to be your best. God bless.